Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast Donnie Fandango and Jamie Rivers. Our buddy uh, Jeff Burton still kicking cancer's ass right now. Yeah, he's uh, taking a well-deserved break here. He's uh, got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot of fighting with cancer to do, and uh, like you said, he's kicking cancer's ass, and he will. Absolutely so. No doubt about that. So, uh, Jamie, uh, the hockey season is now officially over. Yes, it is. Boom, 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 boom. And I don't know why. And I said this to you in the hall the other day. I hate Colorado more now than I ever have, and I don't know why I am so bitter about them <laughs> winning the Stanley Cup. But I am, man. I don't. I don't. I don't like that Kroenke won. I don't like that Kadri won. I don't like that that Tampa didn't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I am just very set off about this. But I want to get your, you know, your take on this series in general. Even, even with everything that I'm saying. I think it's pretty obvious that Colorado was the best team in the league this year. Yeah, they were. Um, I'm with you, though. Like, usually when the teams win the Cup, I follow along, see what they're doing with the Cup afterwards. Especially with social media now, you kind of see the partying and the whatever. I haven't followed a thing. I'm like, I don't care. Nope. I don't care. And I don't know. Maybe it goes back to my days as a Red Wing when we had the, the heated rivalry with the Avalanche. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Unrivaled yet, on ESPN, I have not seen it yet. You have to. It looks amazing. It's incredible. It, well, let's 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 backtrack. Talk about talk about this a little. Talk about this a little bit. We'll come back and talk about the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. Well, Unrivaled is uh, it's a documentary or a thirty for thirty and E sixty. You know those great little yeah things they put together, and it's based off the rivalry between the Red Wings and the Avalanche in the mid nineties, and it's incredible. You know, Chris Draper. It all started with Claude Lemieux, Pepe Lemieux, as mm-hmm. he used to call him. He hits Chris Draper from behind, headfirst into the dasher board, and basically breaks his face. The Red Wings go on to lose the series. Claude Lemieux doesn't even get suspended or whatever. 
Uh, or he does get suspended, but... Slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. I mean, today he'd be thrown in jail. (laughs) Right. Um, And so the next year when everything lined up for their first face-off or whatever, boom, Darren McCarty goes after Claude Lemieux. Then the goalies end up fighting. Mike Vernon fights Patrick Waugh. And and then, you know, not even longer after that, I think the next year they get at it again. And it's another massive brawl, and the goalies get at it again. Patrick Waugh and Chris Osgood this time. And oh, man. It was, I mean, then that was just before I got there. Mm-hmm. And then when I got there, it was heated too. Yeah. Like every time we played, it was a damn war out there. And so the Unrivaled is a documentary, and they bring in to get, like, everybody. Heck, Claude Lemieux sits on stage right next to Darren McCarty, who basically tried to ram Claude Lemieux's face through the boards as payback. Like he beat him up, and he had him on the ice. He picked him up, started to smash his head off the boards to try and pay him back for what he did to Chris Draper. It's it's an amazing little documentary. You have to take the time to watch it. Well, and what's crazy to me, man, is even in just seeing the preview, even just the short, you know, minute long preview, it is so apparent how different the game is now as oh, opposed gosh, to then. Yeah. And it doesn't even feel like for me that it was all that long ago. But yeah. man, it is it is much different. There was one hit I saw where it was almost like the pl- and I and I cannot remember who did it to who, but it was like there was a two players going into the boards, and this one guy like sort of slingshotted the other guy face first into the glass, and it was. I mean, it was an incredible <laughs> hit, but like now, like you said, man, they'd be in jail. Donnie, it was the Wild West for a while. I am not kidding you. Like. You know, playing defense in the NHL is difficult. Uh, it was easier to play it back then, only because you could get a stick on a guy, you could slash a guy as hard as you wanted. Pretty much, you could grab him around the head if you had to. Yeah. Now the 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 flip side of that is that they could run your head through the boards too on a forecheck sure. and come after you. So it was a uh, like I said, it was the Wild West. You yeah. never knew what to expect on any given day. Uh, and I always just, I still call it this to this day is taking inventory. Every time I got on the ice, I'd take inventory for two reasons. One, am I out here against a guy like Yager or Lemieux or Gretzky, got Pavel Bure? I got to be aware of where these, the best players in the world are. Two, where are all the knuckle draggers? Because mm-hmm. usually that's, those were the guys I played against and you didn't want to not know where somebody was like a Ty Domi or a Rick Tockett or an Eric Lindros or... If you didn't know they were on the ice and you put yourself in a compromised position, you could get hurt in a big way. So I always, every time I went on the ice, I'd take inventory really quick and see, okay, who am I out here against? Now I know in which way I need to play for this shift. Yeah. At least this shift. It's amazing to me how quickly that your mind and body is able to get that information and then act on said information. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's your temperament changes, too. Like, yeah. I remember, you know, specifically playing um, against... Uh, uh, Pavel Bure and the Vancouver Canucks and those guys getting on the ice and like, okay, there he is. Now I got to be like speed and skill right now. I need to move my feet. I need to make sure I got a good gap on this guy. Don't give him too much room out here. When I get close, get a good stick on him. Like, yeah. cause you could do that. Right. So I get a stick on him and make sure that he couldn't do anything. But then if the next shift I get out there, like Gino Ojic was on the ice. Well, the game changed. Now get the puck on your stick, get it off your stick and get your stick up. Because someone's coming for you, right? And they're going to play Beaver out there. You know what Beaver is, Donnie? <laughs> I don't. I know you know what Beaver is. Um, well, yes, I but know. Playing yes. Beaver. Yes. Okay. 
Um, I need the clarification here. I think the people do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to do that right now. Is uh, We used to have these things called wooden hockey sticks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before the uh, composite one-piece fancy sticks they use now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Basil McRae taught me this out of uh, one of my very first training camps. He goes, you need to have these guys play beaver if they want to get that hit on you. And what it was, was you make your pass and you'd hold your stick up in front of your face because they were coming to get you and they would run their own face into your stick or get them in the teeth. And so we'd call that playing beaver because they'd have to gnaw through wood to get to you. And it's perfect that Basil McCray was the one to tell uh-huh. you that information as well. Razzle, dazzle, <laughs> basil. So, all right. So back to the finals there with Colorado <laughs> and, and Tampa as we get off on the tangents, which which we, which we you know, we seem to do. You had a, a very banged up Tampa team. Yeah, uh, man. Did you see that list of injuries, dude? That's crazy. But then also, too. Okay, so I want to ask this. Just logistically as a fan. So... You know, a lot of these injuries, man, you know that there are pain meds being taken, shots given to... At what point, Jamie, does it become an issue that that is happening? Oh, boy. And, and I know that this is a big can of worms, and you're talking about hockey players. We're and talking th- about a 30-minute podcast. This is like a podcast miniseries yeah. over this. I mean, look, um, I'll say this. It's whatever the individual is willing to do. Mm-hmm. And the hard part about that is most hockey players are willing to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I went through it. You know, I've had battles with it. It, it. it started me down a path of not great things because you you learn that to live like you can't go without it. Mm-hmm. Because it, it makes you feel great. Yeah. It does. It makes you feel great. Like you're invincible. You know, they... Started out with you know some kind of a medication, prescribed medication, and it's not like you just go walk in and get the doctor prescribes it. It's it is what it is, and then it, you know it, it'll escalate to uh, whether it's a, a freezing of the area or a toradol. Toradol is a is a crazy drug. It's it's an injection, and they'll inject it, and it finds its way to the pain. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it does it, but man, you feel like a superhero. I remember playing on a broken foot and a torn ligament in my knee and still feeling like a million bucks. And then, you know, the off-season comes and you get your surgery, but then they follow that up with more pain meds. But then you don't feel great because your body is – you put your body through so much punishment while you're in this state of, like, not feeling it. Well, your body doesn't forget what you did to it. And then neither do you when all the meds wear off. Mm-hmm. And so then when you just get out of bed in the morning in the middle of June or July, your body feels like hell. I cannot imagine. It's hell. You try to walk to the bathroom and both your knees, your back, your shoulder, your neck, your ribs are all jacked up. So what do you do? You go take a, you go take a couple pain pills. Yeah. And then you feel good. And then you're at it because you got to get up. You got to work out. You got to work out. You, you probably have to keep go it skate. Going. You got to keep this engine going, man. And so that's how you end up going down a dark path Yes, because then you're craving the feeling of no no pain. And then at one point when you take too much of it, it gets you, you know, high a little bit, you know, a little, you're feeling a little too good. It feels really good. And then you're going after that more and more and more. And that's how some guys get themselves in a lot of trouble. And we've seen that over, you know, the last 10, 15 years where guys have had real problems trying to 
wean themselves away from all this stuff. But, but, this but, a bit of a dark. I know yeah, we've yeah. gone down a dark path here. Yeah, but no, but I think it's something to talk about though too. But I, but, but I'm sure now that the training staffs and the doctors are more tuned in to try to keep that sort of thing from happening. Well, the guy, the trainers and the doctors are never wanting this to happen. Well, ever. right, right. No, but they're not trying think, to overly medicate. People at all. think that guys, you know, nowadays it's it's gotten a lot better because. You know, every medication has a, uh, they're all interlocked. Like if you punch it in at Walgreens, Walgreens and CVS and all these other places know that you have a prescription out there for a, not a banned substance, but a, you know, a uh, government sanctioned. Like an opioid or whatever the heck it is. Correct. Yeah. So they'll be like, ah, 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 because guys used to shop doctors too, have like five different doctors. And then in a week, go see all of them and get a prescription for all of them and nobody could keep track. And now that's how guys got in trouble. Is because then they'd have you know five different full scripts of it with no no reason to stop taking it. Yeah. Now it's all connected. It's regulated. Uh, the trainers do a really good job of hey, if you need this, we're gonna get the doctor here. We're gonna prescribe you this, but then like that's it. Like then you get it for today and not for a week or whatever it is, depending on the injury and the doctors with the injections are are very careful. The athlete is treated so much better today than mm-hmm. what it was but they still you got to get through the game and so when you go back to our original topic here of the Tampa Bay Lightning this is a uh, a matter of probably where yes they had freezing going on they had medicines going on and you had the athlete who was just willing to push through any pain that was going on to try and win the Stanley Cup. I think one of the things that was so remarkable to me about watching that last game, about watching that last Stanley Cup final game, was thinking about all of the hockey that the Lightning have played Three the last years few now. years. Four years, really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, has there, there, there could not be anybody that has played as much as they have. And at some point or the other, even when you're loaded like Tampa Bay, that, I mean, that's got to catch up to you at well, some point. The way the game is so physical, absolutely. It caught up to them. You know, you look at guys like Vasilevsky and Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov, we found out he was injured. Stamkos, you know, no disclosed injury, but, you know, he was beaten up. And Vasilevsky as the goalie, he he's the guy mm-hmm. every year. And so he was tired. He had Victor Hedman place, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a game. These guys were exhausted. It's a grind. That's why, you know, three-peating and then to get four in a row like the Islanders and Montreal Canadiens have and the Oilers in the 80s where they got, uh, what, four in five years. Yeah. It's a grind, man. So it was kind of miraculous to see what the Lightning did um, just by getting to the finals and fighting as hard as they did to push that to where they got it. Do you see a sea change happening at all in the East? Do you, or do you think that the Lightning will <sighs> will be back and and will be one of one of those threatening again next year? I mean, there's a lot yeah. of coaching changes in the East. I mean, you've got Florida, all all of that. So, so how do you project the Lightning going forward? Well, I think you'll see a good team again. You know, the, the, their core guys are locked up: Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky. Those guys are locked up, man. Like they did a real good job of getting those guys on good contracts. Um, and now they just have to maneuver the pieces around them. You know, the Chicago Blackhawks um, at first did an okay job of keeping their core guys and then just inter, you know intermingling guys in and out of there. And when they won their three cups in, what was it, six or seven years, uh, they managed to do it pretty good. Now, the Albatross contracts to Duncan Keith, to uh, Brent Seabrook and those guys, those ones hurt them mm-hmm. to where they had to tear it down basically to where it's at now. 
But the Tampa Bay Lightning, Steve Eiserman was a catalyst of this. He got a lot of guys under good contracts. And Julian Breezeboss done a very good job since then. So they've got their hands full, but they have the core group of guys there. They have a great coach. They have a great general manager. They have an incredible owner. And they have the best goalie in the world. That always helps. So and then so speaking of best goalie in the world and how Colorado doesn't have one but still won the Stanley Cup, like that team to me coming into next year, I know Kadri could potentially go, but I mean that team looks like they're gonna be ready to make a run again. Yeah, they got a good core there. They're gonna they don't have a goalie. They so, gotta figure that out, right? So and, they, and with what money are they gonna be able to figure that out with? Well, that's the problem with it is, you know, where do you go from there? Do you just re-sign Kemper? But, you know, he was making, what, $4 million this year. You're probably going to say, hey, look, we can't pay you more than that, or we might have to take a haircut here, but we'll give you an extra year on the back end. But then are you really wanting to be married to the one goalie that nobody thought was really all that good anyways? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. So be interesting to see where they go as far as goaltending. Kadri won't be back there. They won't be able to afford Kadri along with the you know the main dogs that they have there. And you got to remember Nathan McKinnon. I think he's a couple of years away from being available to negotiate a new contract. You're going to want to hang on to that guy. So you're going to want to make sure you're not locked in long term with some contracts that you're going to regret. So a lot of work for Joe Sackick over there, the GM of the Avalanche. Uh, but they, they have a good core. Landis Gog's locked up. McKinnon for the foreseeable future is locked up. Kale McCarr is locked up. Like They got three of the best players available that are under contract long term with that team. There will be some turnover, so it'll be interesting to see ultimately what happens. I, I think uh, one of the things that you started talking to Jeff and I about well over a year ago was Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr. Like, I just remember <laughs> you saying a long time ago, like, this guy is a absolute stud, deal breaker. What is it about this young man that makes him legitimately, I mean, he's probably the best defenseman in the league right now, right? Oh, yeah, he absolutely is. So what is it about him? And on top of it, he's a friggin' kid. He's not supposed to be this good, this young. There's supposed to be this learning curve. <laughs> yeah. how, did, how, did, how did he avoid that, dude? Well, he still has a learning curve on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, he's very good defensively. I think you watch him uh, in that Edmonton series in particular, he was out there against McDavid an awful lot and did a real good job against Connor McDavid. Heck, in our series, the Blues against him, he did a real good job in that series too. Now, he gets himself in trouble at times with some turnovers because he tries to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken poop sometimes. And uh, <laughs> never want to do that, Donnie. Can't, can't do that. Can't do that. Don't do it because it just ends up getting real messy. <laughs> Tastes bad too. Um, so he tries to make plays sometimes that aren't there and he – Turns a puck over, but that's a guy you're like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll deal with that. Right. But it, the biggest thing that he's got going for him is his skating ability. You know, his edge work and the way he can turn left, right. He opens up his hips and he walks the line. He makes you think he's going to shoot and then he keeps going and he's going to shoot and then he keeps going. He's a bit of a nightmare to defend and he's evasive out there. You don't really ever get a great opportunity to run him through the boards. Um, because he sees you coming, and then he's still ava- uh, able to avoid the hit as it gets closer. So, yeah, he's a, he's the real deal. Um, heck, Gabriel Landeskog, after the, they won the Cup, they said, you know what, 
what can teams, the copycat league, you know, what do teams, what are they going to be looking to do to try and do what you guys did? He goes, well, they better find themselves a Kale McCarr first. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, so, but Colorado is going to be, the, you know, the kind of the, the, the standard for all of us going into the season next year. Yeah, I think so. What do the Blues need to do to, to, to catch up? And, well, they're not far off, Donnie. See, I don't think so either, man. They're and I think that's off. another reason why I'm so pissy about the whole thing. Well, yeah, it, it's hard because when you look at, you know, Colorado running the table after they played the Blues, um, I do believe the Blues would have gotten to the Stanley Cup final. And I think it would have been one heck of a final against the Lightning. Probably seven games. And who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, again, what could have been? Um, but that's good. It's good for next year. So Jordan Bennington looks like he recaptured what he uh, is supposed to be as far as an elite goaltender, which is a huge freaking relief. It's a massive relief. The the one concern that I have is what if he has speed bumps like he did last year? Then what? Where are you turning to? Because Villa Huso, ninety nine percent will not be back. Mm-hmm. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid, and I don't blame the young man at all. But then, so what do the Blues do? You know, what's your option? Everybody's oh Charlie Lindgren. I get it, but. People forget that why was Charlie Lindgren in the American Hockey League? There's a reason. Why did nobody else have Charlie Lindgren on their roster or in the NHL? There's a reason. He's a great goalie in the American Hockey League. In the NHL, he's been very average for the most part. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that our listeners here in St. Louis are going to We love Chucky Seidberg. He's 5-0. and oh, He's undefeated. Right. Yeah, I know. That's five games. Give him 15, 20, 25, 30 games, and you know, we'll see. He might be the only viable option financially for the team, especially up against the salary cap, and he might be a great option. Who knows? It's a concern of mm-hmm. mine is, you know, do you have enough as far as a 1A, 1B tandem, or is it just a 1A and backup goalie? Because, the, and I heard Jeremy Rutherford talking about this with Carriker and Smallman in the last week or so, but the idea is you want to keep Joel Hofer in Springfield for another year to get more time down there, correct? Yeah, you want to get him a lot of reps because making the NHL as a goaltender is a really tough thing to do. You, and want, to, you want to make sure you guys ready. Absolutely so. So, then exactly, Mr. Rivers, I feel as though you might be advocating for a potential cheaper backup option outside of the organization. What are you what are you what are you saying there? Because, you know, man, I mean, like you just said, there's not gonna be a lot of money to be thrown around to no. a backup, and you probably don't want to do that, but you gotta protect yourself. Yeah, I think an interesting player for me is Marc Andre Fleury. Oh, shut your face. I swear to God. Really? Yeah, he's interesting for me. Uh, I well, th- I think he's very interesting for a number of reasons, but why is the Blues backup goaltender? Well, I'd look at it more as a tandem, okay. almost, again, to where Jordan Bennington would get, you know, 55 starts and Marc-Andre Fleury would get the rest. Uh, but what if Bennington struggles? Are you really uncomfortable letting Marc-Andre Fleury play? Nope. No, not at all. And he's at the end of his career. Uh, he probably not going to want to break the bank with a contract. I know he really liked his time in Minnesota, and maybe he'll go back there. Maybe that's what they'll do with him is basically say, basically mimic what I'm talking about for the Blues. But I, met, I bet you could get him for like a million and a half. And now you've got your surefire backup slash 1B goalie. So you got 1A and 1B. Again, you got a veteran guy who we know, everybody who's ever played with him loves him. Mm-hmm. He's great in the locker room. He's a great leader. He's got championship pedigree. 
Um, you know, is he what he is he what he once was? No, no. But we don't need that. You don't need that because you hypothetically or theoretically rather, you have Jordan Bennington. You just need a guy that if the wheels fall off the camper, you got a guy who can put him back on for you for a little while and carry the load. And if he gets to playoff time and there's an injury, something like the I hate to say it, but what just happened to Jordan Bennington? Yeah. You hand the ball off to Mark Andre Fleury. You know the moment's not going to be too big for him. Absolutely. What What is the timing, Jamie, of the David Perron decision? And yeah, and how's that going? Because I've read recently that the Blues' first offer, from what I understand, was very low, and the Perron camp was like, "Huh, well, that's a little disappointing that it's so low." Did you see what I just did? Yeah. So what? So what's going on here? Well, I don't know. I don't And know. I don't think there's anything nefarious going on. I think it's just the negotiation part of this. It is. And, you know, again, what you hear sometimes may not always be accurate. Oh, stop it, Jamie. I know. Imagine that. That right? would be like the internet not true all the time, Jamie. I don't know. I don't know. It's like Wikipedia ever getting something <laughs> right. wrong, right? So I don't know if the offer was made. I don't know if it was low. Uh, not sure. But based on the information that we've seen or read so far, which we have to go by, the Blues probably thought to themselves, hey, we'll give you a three-year deal, and that's an extra year than what we were going to do, but you're going to take a bit of a haircut because we're going to try and build a team around you as well. we got to go get players here because we didn't win the Cup last year. We probably could have, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, to repeat what we did last year, except hopefully have a healthy goaltender and carry us over the goal line, I need that money. And Dave Brown probably said, yeah, okay, we'll find the money somewhere else. <laughs> right. Because I was still one of your best players. I, I just was your it. best player in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run your power play, which for two years in a row has been in the top three in the league. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to need to probably make at bare minimum what I made this year, which is $4 million. I think a three-year deal, $12 million, gets it done. That's me. <laughs> I love this. The way that this all works, I would be such. I would be so terrible at doing this. Like the game of poker between this would be terrible. I would like want to jump on David Perron after the season. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We want you to stay, which is obviously not what you. Can yeah, do. Well, the Blues do want him. They've expressed it publicly. Yes. Which, let's be honest, Doug Armstrong, Craig never Ruby, does They've that. never ever expressed publicly like we really want to keep this player. You know, with the Alex Petrangelo thing, they said we really like this player. We'd like to keep him a St. Louis Blue. Situation was different, though. Mm-hmm. You know, Petro's at what twenty-seven at the time, twenty-eight, looking to hit the big paycheck. Perron's what thirty-four right yeah. now. So different ends, diff- yeah, completely different scenario. So I've got a couple of questions to ask about the about our division and about the conference. But I, I just before we came in here, I was reading a little blurb, and you know, again, we never know what's right or what's wrong. But I was reading a report that said that the Calgary Flames are getting a little. Um, antsy when it comes to the decision making for for Johnny Hockey. Oh yeah. And I've <sighs> also read that he potentially might want to go to Philadelphia because I guess he's from there, but then the Tortorella situation might potentially change him wanting to go there. Can you and obviously the reason that I say this is because of the Matthew Kachuk yeah. dominoes that could potentially <clears throat> fall depending yep. on what he does. So one, I think Johnny Johnny Gaudreau is from like Boston area, from what I understand. Okay, no, the north. Maybe he's from Philly. I don't know. I know the Boston. Maybe he went to college at Boston, or it was a Flyers fan growing up, or something. A, you know what I mean? He's something. a Northeast person. Either way, mm-hmm. um, I don't see how Tortorella would change anything. He just played for Daryl Sutter. Okay, Daryl Sutter is 
very difficult to play for, very difficult individual sometimes to understand. And then other times he's very simple and easy to understand. So if you play the way you're supposed to play and do what you're supposed to do, Daryl Sutter's going to be just fine yeah, with you. the same and with Tortorella. Same with John Tortorella. And Johnny Gaudreau just came off his best season ever. So I can't imagine John Tortorella you know, wanting to assert himself with one of the best players in the league last year. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. I think he would welcome that opportunity to coach a guy like that. Problem I have is why would Goudreau go to Philly? Why? Because yeah, that's that a total be terrible. Right. That's a total rebuild. Right. It's a total rebuild. You're at the end of your career. You know, you just got you just had a great season with the Calgary Flames. Uh, you've had a great taste of what hockey is like in Canada, where people are so passionate, whether you love it or you hate it, the good times and the bad times, all that stuff. Why would you go to Philadelphia where the fans are relentless? They're yeah. passionate. I love Philadelphia fans. But if that team stinks, that's going to be tough to play there. They booed Santa Claus for goodness sake. Yeah, they've done some some. I mean, that is done some stuff. I, I mean, battery throwing batteries at JD Drew, uh-huh. D size. I remember that uh, when Michael Irvin got the concussion and was being wheeled off the field at the old uh, Philadelphia vet, and they cheered. Yeah, Santa Claus <clears throat> getting hit in the face with snowballs. Man, that is a whew, that's an aggressive fan base, man. It's an incredible place to play when things are good. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. You would be a god. You are a god. Yeah. And like guys like Rick Tockett, Craig Berube, they go back to Philly. Heck, Chief has a house in Philly in the offseason. Why? People like walk around and throw rose petals in front of his feet. <laughs> like you're Craig Berube. <laughs> right. You know, you're Rick Tockett. You're, you know, uh, whoever they had back there. And Brian Prop. you know, that he lives back in Philly. Yeah. You know, like you're, they love their players when the team is good. And when they don't play good, they don't love the players. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if Johnny Gaudreau is a perfect fit for that rebuild slash environment. Um, don't know why he would ever pick that. It was rumored. Right. Um, but back to the original question is, yeah, the Flyers or the the Flames have to figure out quickly what's going to happen with Gaudreau because they got to pivot quickly on Matthew Kachuk. Um because if Goudreau doesn't come back, Kachuk's, Kachuk will not re-sign with the Flames. And then they've got to trade him or they're going to get nothing for him. And the value for that player, like, you bet, now is the time. Now is the time to trade Matthew Kachuk. Leading right up to the draft is to trade him from this, this minute that we're recording this podcast until the moment they announce the first name on draft day is the time to trade Matthew Kachuk if you're the Flames. To so, get, maximize the value you can get in return. So is Doug Armstrong, like, outside of the Saddle Dome right now, like, kind of circling, looking inside, like, hmm, I'm just... He's in the shadows, and I'm you can just, just barely see the whites of his eyes <laughs> right. around the tree, staring into your soul. It just seems like, and you know what, and I know that this is a fan thing, but I, honestly, I, and I, I'm sure that I'm over the top on this one, but that's fine, because that's what I do, but I feel like Matthew Kachuk wants it, I feel like the Blues want it, Blues fans I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like, like it w- I would be so excited to have that dude here. I just feel like we all want it to happen, but I know that that's not how this all works. Well, it can at times, but the problem is the Calgary Flames have to like the deal, going back the other way, and the St. Louis Blues would have to be the only team that wants Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> which is false. Yeah, no way. It's completely false. Every team in the league wants him. If you said there's no salary cap at all, Every team in the league would put together an offer for Matthew Kachuk, and that's tough. 
Salary cap whittles it down a little bit because certain teams are just like, I just, there's no way we can shed the money. Mm-hmm. So move on. Keep the feet moving here, you know? The Blues are a team that are in a tough spot. They'll, they will have to shed salary, significant mm-hmm. salary, in order to fit a Matthew Kachuk. Then it comes down to what are you willing to give up? You know, how do you get to that dollar value? And then can you re-sign this player? Because you don't trade for them, and you don't liquidate assets, and you don't get rid of prospects. If you're not keeping them. If you don't know for sure that the moment you acquire him, you've got an extension that's signed at the same time. So that also makes it difficult for other teams, too. Is Not only are they trading for Matthew Kachuk, so they throw their name in the hat for Matthew Kachuk. Let's go. we got a package for you. But can they re-sign him? Can they extend him? Would he sign a contract extension with that team? There's probably only three or four teams that he probably would do that with. Right. So it's tough. It's interesting. It's we'll find out. It's gonna be a lot of action coming up, man. So there's two head coaching vacancies left: Detroit yes. and Winnipeg. Detroit and Winnipeg. Um, do you who, Jim what, Montgomery? Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a crime if he doesn't get one of those. Mm-hmm. And Boston's still available. Boston. Oh, Boston. Okay. So there's those three. Those three. And Rick Tockett, man. I, why am I rooting for this dude so bad to get a job when I know he's going to be a good head coach somewhere that could give my Blues a lot of trouble? But I just really like that dude. Yeah, I, I think his name is in there, too. There's a, The coaching world in the NHL is starting to change a little bit. You're still getting some recycles, like Pete DeBoer getting another chance again. and you know, like, Captain Sourpuss. It's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Pete DeBoer's a good coach. I think that's why he keeps getting good jobs. Uh, John Torrell, a bit of a head-scratcher for me there, especially in a rebuild. He's not the most patient human being. Uh, if I was the Flyers, I would have went Jim Montgomery mm-hmm. there or Rick Tockett. But Rick Tockett, from what I understand, doesn't necessarily want to be in a rebuild situation. Um, I'm just hearing that. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't ask Rick myself, but... But, yeah, there's opportunities out there. I think Jim Montgomery is as good as gone, in my opinion. I think that he's proven in the last couple of years that he's back to being the coach that he was in Dallas and that he's gotten over his his obstacles and proven it to not just you know the players, the staff, but the community as well here in St. Louis that he's an outstanding human being uh, that had some problems. And he got over that, and he's dealing with it, and he's working every day uh, to, to keep those problems behind him. So he'll get an opportunity. I believe it'll be a crime if he doesn't. Man, and I'm just I'm still also hoping that you know by some strange chance of imagination, with maybe the exception of Montgomery, that we can return. I'd love to see Otter behind the bench for another year. Otter's and... going to get some consideration too. I'm sure for sure. Now, interesting piece of the puzzle is if I was the Blues and I lost either one of those guys, I'd be wanting to give a little phone call to Andrew Burnett from the Florida Panthers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's without a job now because they went and hired Paul Maurice. Like, right? How weird is that situation? By the way. I'm Andrew Burnett, and I just finished in the top three for Coach of the Year. My team won the President's Trophy, and I don't have a job. That is so crazy. It just does not make sense <laughs> it doesn't to me. make any sense at all to me. But that's why I say uh, that if the Blues lose Steve Ott um, or Jim Montgomery, I don't think Mike Van Ryan, not that he won't leave or wouldn't have an opportunity, but he's a D coach. Andrew Burnett, not that he couldn't do it, but it's not exactly ideal for him. But if the Blues lose uh, Ott or Montgomery, I would be picking up the phone call to Andrew Burnett. You know, he's a former player, a good dude, too, awesome dude. Uh, he would fit in perfect to what the coaching staff, that vibe that this coaching staff has already. Man, it's going to be so long before we have Blues hockey. We're going to have to figure out some way to make this summer last. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, there's going to be a lot of action coming well, up here. I sure hope so, but I don't know. Ever since the loss, man, I've told you, I just, I, I it just. 
the way that it happened, all of the things, the, the Bennington injury, all the ways that it went down, I'm just bitter and I want more. Just because I believe in this team, I just think we're good. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what Doug Armstrong does as well. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. The magician. That is Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, Last Minute Blues Podcast. We love our brother Jeff Burton. Hopefully he'll join us next time. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. And as always, the next time they play, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.